Jezulev, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Hunger Mjolg Global Online Satsang. I myself am Avanav, joining again from Sydney, and I'm very excited to bring to you another week of the beautiful, insightful, and deep conversations uh, which we have been very fortunate to have on this platform to all of you wonderful listeners. So once again, welcome. If you've joined for the first time, a warm first welcome to you. We hope you enjoy your stay. For those of you returning once more, thank you for your ongoing support. You know, in this series, as you would have seen last week, we're, we're layering, layering on top of the series we underwent before on controlling mind. And now we're moving toward trying to understand how we can strengthen our urge to meditate. So in the previous series, we learned about a little bit about the mind and what the impact of the controlling mind is. But perhaps even after that, you know, as people living in such a busy world, it's very common for us to understand on a conceptual level why something is fruitful or positive. But to then enact that is a separate thing completely. And in this series, what we really want to uh, give all you wonderful listeners is an understanding of why meditation and this urge for meditation is strong and, and should be strong uh, within spiritual seekers. And so last week we heard a bit about this in the context of mind and what the function of mind is and where the mind lives. This week we're really looking at two terms which you may hear a lot uh, as spiritual seekers and people who are exposed to spiritual philosophy. You may have heard of the terms consciousness and inertness. You may have heard of the different entities which, you know, use the weight of these two uh, domains to act from the indriyas to the soul, to the mind. And a lot of this can bring about confusion. It can bring about doubts. It can be a little abstract. So today what we want to give to you all is the, you know, something, some kind of information, some kind of examples, a conversation really uh, from which you can take away a clearer understanding of what we mean by inert and conscious and what the spiritual journey is really trying to help us do. Now, of course, our conversation this week will be uh, equipped with a global panel of which I'll be introducing our members uh, and it will be done through the lens of the ancient most science of spirituality, the science of Vihangam Yog and the medium of Swarved, which is a distillation of the experiences of so I hope you're as excited as I am to dive into the topic for this week, strengthening mind, lesson two, consciousness and inertness. As you're all thinking through and collecting your thoughts on this topic, we ask you all to share any thoughts or questions you have on our two avenues, the WhatsApp number, which was just on screen and we'll come back in just a moment, as well as slider.com slash VYGOS. We'll be looking at both of these platforms over the course of today and we'll be, you know, we're really keen to get engaged with all of you wonderful listeners and really understand uh, what it is you want to understand better and what things perhaps we haven't been able to explain as clearly as you'd like. Because uh, as I mentioned, we really want you all to take away something from this week, particularly a clear understanding of what inertness and consciousness is. So let's move toward our Q&A session for the day. We'll be first spending about 
20 minutes or so on the first part of our discussion, uh, after which we'll have another 20 to 30 minute discussion and then wrap up for the week. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our two speakers for today. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce Dr. Kumar Hamant Sin, uh, or Dr. Dr. Hamant, as we lovingly call him. Uh, he works as an associate professor at IIT Bombay in the Department of Earth Sciences. He formerly worked as a scientist at the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center in Maryland, USA. And most prominently, he's a very dedicated and, and uh, you know, he's a very dedicated and illustrious speaker of Yohangam Yog, a person who takes very complex concepts and explains them in a way which we can all understand. So, you know, we're, we're very lucky to have him join us this week. So I hope you can hear us, Hemanji. Yeah, thank you for having me here. Thank you, Hemanji. And I'd also like to introduce Vijayji, Vijayadavaluriji, uh, who is also an ardent disciple of Sobhubdev. He's been practicing the Hungover for about 10 years and professionally he's working as an IT architect at a US federal agency, the IRS. So I hope you can also hear me, uh, Vijayji. Uh, very clear, uh, Binoji. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you both for joining us this week. So I'll direct this first question or perhaps just a quick prelude on what we're talking about today. So consciousness and inertness or depending on how you order it in your mind, inertness and consciousness, uh, these two concepts are very fundamental uh, per at least the exposure that I've had thus far in my spiritual journey uh, in understanding the Hangam Yoga itself and, of course, in understanding spiritual philosophy at large. Um, you know, these two terms can be a little abstract, can be difficult to grasp. Uh, I know for myself I found them difficult to, and I still sometimes find them difficult to grasp and explain. Um, so perhaps if I could first direct a question uh, toward you, uh, Hemanji, uh, the first question which really comes to mind uh, if we look at these two terms is uh, what is meant by the term inertness? You know, it, if it's a quality, then how do we identify that quality, uh, whether it is within the body or outside the body? Uh, could you give an example uh, of what inertness really entails? Uh, a very nice question. Yeah, actually, we can understand this from the biology point of view. Since childhood, we have been listening and studying that there are two objects. One object is living and the other object is non-living. So when we say inertness, anything that does not have any life, they do not reproduce, they do not take action of its own. Anything that you see around us in your room, in your place where you're living, that is does not have in any action of its own or all inert. But the moment we go a little higher from the consciousness or from the spiritual aspect of this, this has become, or more clarity has come to this when uh, the saints uh, experience it and talk about it. But we'll, we'll talk about that later on. But, uh, but quick decommission from the living Anything that's living is an object or entity that has knowledge, desire, and an ability to take an action. Some, someone who can perform or act. It's easy to make out, right? That anything that's moving, they are, they are, they're acting, and they're all, they're all part of consciousness. So they exhibit some kind of life forms. 
They're all part of living and they are conscious. So that would be a simple definition of energy. Yeah, thank you for that, Hamaji. Um, I think that, that definitely sets us up to explore this better. Um, and perhaps if I could uh, quickly switch over to you, VAG, if you wanted to add anything there um, in terms of just giving a, like a, the foundational, like a, just a quick word on what inertness is. I, I, really, I think Hamaji already explained it, um, but perhaps if you could also layer on top in terms of your uh, thinking, like what would you say the building blocks of inertness are? Would it be fair to say it's, you know, the physical atoms, which we, we learn about in school? Like, you know, what, how would you layer on top of what uh, Hamanzi has already described? Uh, good question, uh, Binoji. So like Hamanji gave a good definition of what an inert entity or inert inertness is. Basically an inert, inert body or inert entity is something which has an end. So in other words, it's not, uh, it's, it's transient in nature. It's not something which is eternal. Uh, one that is constantly changing and that's ceased to exist, which is, in other words, which is not eternal or conscious. The inner transient entities are basically made of five fundamental elements which are the building blocks for inert are the sky, the wind, the fire, the water, and earth. And these five fundamental elements have the subjects of sound, touch, taste, smell, and a vision. Whatever is within the reach of the indriyas or the sensory organs are all transient in nature or inert. What is permanent is something which is beyond the reach of these senses. Uh, Emoji, could you uh, add more anything on the building blocks? Uh, yeah, nice, definitely. See, uh, let's let's talk about a little more. Let's get uh, let's deeper aspect. The building block of life is cell, right? So the cell it's getting energy from somewhere. So cell can uh, reproduce. So definitely, it has it it it's a living it's a living uh, building block of life. But cell itself is made of atoms and molecules, which Abhinoji was referring to. Atoms and molecules also have vibrational energy. Only thing is that if you burn a cell, it dies off. But if you burn an atom and molecule, nothing happens to it because it's inert. So we need to understand that our building block of life, the cell, the biologist talks about it, is, is a living organism. But the parts that are made of that are made that makes that cell itself is inert. And let's make a take a bigger picture. Our body itself. I'm talking because I'm using my energy, and that energy is supplied by what we all understand is a soul or a consciousness. 
I'm conscious of what am I speaking. But let's say if you train a robot for that, you are going to program the robot and it speaks the way you would want it. So when you come back to your body, the action which this body takes is a part of consciousness, but body itself is made of atoms and molecules, which is inert itself. So the moment I step out of this body, we all understand that we die off. And when we die, basically the consciousness move out of this inert body, and this inert body remains as it is. And as uh, Vijayji just mentioned, that we are made of these five elements, and these five elements dissolves, goes back to its primordial state, where it came from. So this is how we can understand, and uh, definitely we, can, we are going to talk about it a little more. Over to you, Avinaji. Yeah, thank you both. Um, I think that was a very powerful explanation from both of you in terms of how we can think about this. So, you know, just to summarize for you listeners, um, inertness, uh, you know, if you look at, if you're trying to identify something which is inert, uh, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Hamlin, Gene, VAG, um, that anything which has a beginning and end uh, is most likely an inert entity. Uh, and the building blocks of inert entities uh, are cellular, uh, but more fundamentally, they are not just cellular, they are atomic in nature. Uh, and atoms are always going, if you've you know had the, uh, the fortune of, of studying uh, science and mathematics, uh, you would have learned that atoms are always going through an exchange of, of form and what they contribute to. Uh, in that in that same nature, inertness uh, has an end, but it also carries this quality of exchanging form. I suppose. Uh, would you agree with that, uh, Amanji and Biaji? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so the uh, so the changes that brings about in atoms and molecules are transient in nature, and it's just happening because there is an exchange of energy. But the conscious element, which we call soul, remains as it is uh, forever. And uh, because they're not made of atoms and molecules, they're not made of any part of this earth or the material or uh, any object or entity that the science instruments can detect or understand. So it's beyond that, which we often sometimes call uh, casually, that's non-matter. It's not made of matter. So yes, it does not go in and change. Uh, but yes, all the atoms and molecules do undergo change because of the exchange of energy. And that's how, because of the chemical reactions that happens, that's why see, we see this diverse world. Yes, that's true. Energy. Yeah, thank you, energy. So, you know, I think that's a perfect segue into the second word which we're looking at today, which is consciousness. And arguably, this is really a portal into Swarved and into what the the, the wisdom of Sadhguru Sadafadeji Maharaj, who you know, in his, you know, very long meditative journey, experienced consciousness in its inarguably, you know, the most innocent or, you know, for lack of a better term, in at all the stages in which it can be experienced. So uh, perhaps if we could again uh, start with you, uh, Hemanji, um, how would you explain consciousness uh, and how would you, you know, how can we, uh, you know, it's difficult to really term this, but how can we identify what consciousness is? Like if, if I'm sitting in a room and I am just observing myself, how can I observe and distinguish what is part of my consciousness and what is not part of my consciousness? What is consciousness per se? Uh, 
Thank you very much. Actually, now we are moving into uh, this real spiritual part. Sadhguru Sadafal Devji Maharaj uh, practiced meditation in a cave for 17 long years and realized all the tenets and secrets of the Brahm, the very powerhouse of all the knowledge. And he has brought about all his experience in his uh, spiritual text, uh, scripture, which we call Swarved. And there's nothing better than to take uh, an example from Swarved. Swami writes in Swarved, Iksha Gyan Prayatna Hai, Chinna Sujetan Jan, Ja Mahatina Yah Nahidishe, Takar Jadkariman. So I think we come back to that biology aspect, but we'll just leave it as it is. Any entity that has knowledge, that means we can understand our world, the environment which we live in. We are living in a room, so we are very much aware where we are sitting and what action are we doing at this moment. We all have desires because we can think and act on anything that comes to our mind. Even if we have to take something from the kitchen, we walk up to that and we get that. Anything we want to do at this moment, we're writing, speaking, talking. We, we have desires and thought process that's going on in your mind at this moment, in your brain. They all, they all comes up and adds up into part of desires. And then the ability to take an action, to act upon your thought process, something which you really want to act at this moment, are all part of consciousness. That's what makes us or define the consciousness. And this body moves with you along with that. Why? Because we are residing in this body. Anything, any object that does not display that. In this room, we have furnitures. We have objects. We have pen and paper in front of us. We have laptops and computers in front of us. They are objects that would be found another day. If we come back today, tomorrow, day after, they'll be still lying there. The furniture won't move. But we would move. Why? Because we have a desire to act. We have knowledge. We are conscious of our, of our life. So, so that's how we, that's how Sadhguru Sadafal Devji Maharaj defines this in Swarvay. Swamiji writes this in another way. Jahi bhoomi jo hai. Rahat samane aaye, jad chetan ke bhed me, par apara chavi chaye. So, so now he goes a little further. Now, once you have defined what is jad and chetan, jad is nothing but inert, chetan is nothing but what is conscious. Now, these are two entities that makes this world, not this world, the entire universe, the cosmos, and beyond, even the multiverses. There are only two types of entities. One is called conscious, one is called the inert. Now, but there are two different knowledge also, the way to understand them. And that is the para and apara vidya. Apara vidya is all the knowledge that is confined and talks about the inert world, including the knowledge which you have learned in your school and college, and that helps you to get the livelihood. This is all a part of Apravidya. And the knowledge that helps you to understand or experience the non-matter which I was referring to, the conscious element which you can't see through the eyes, which you can't understand, 
through the instrument. You can't detect them, but they can be experienced. That knowledge is called the Paravidya. And for that, you need a special teacher. For the worldly objects that I note, all the knowledge that exists, including Vedas, Upanishads, all scriptural texts, whatever has been taught in this world thus far, all confined to the Aparavidya. And for that, you find teachers in the world. And we have been brought up since childhood and, and we've learned. And now we are all scholars in, in one way or the other. But we, we, our knowledge is not complete. The knowledge gets completed only when the conscious entity is also understood and experienced. And who would experience that? Our conscious self itself, of course. You don't expect a inert object to understand the concept. It's vice versa. It's the conscious object who, who, who aspires and makes an effort to do that. But because we can't see and detect that, you need a special teacher. And that teacher is the Sadhguru. So we're going to talk more about that later on. Uh, thank you, Avinoji. Yeah, thank you, Hemanji. And I wonder, VAG, if you had anything you wanted to add uh, onto uh, what Hemanji just shared with us uh, in terms of what consciousness is, what the building blocks of consciousness are, um, just so that we can uh, start to move this uh, maybe toward even understanding how the two interact with each other. Hemanji uh, explained beautifully uh, what consciousness is and the characteristics of something, of an entity that makes it conscious, mainly the desire, the effort, and the knowledge. Uh, these, these are the building blocks. So this is what makes an entity conscious, which is beyond uh, the grasp of one's sensory organs. The whole talk of consciousness literally is beyond the reach of these senses. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't know if I interjected there. Please, please. No. Can... <laughs> I'm sorry. That's basically what I, I mean. It's pretty much what's the conscious, what's consciousness, and what's conscious entity. Hemanji explained it beautifully. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of layer a little bit on top of what we're all discussing. Um, you know, consciousness and, you know, there's a question which I do want to ask um, you both uh, after we come back from the bhajan, uh, which is, you know, if we, in, in the modern world we learn that, uh, you know, to validate something, uh, we can go through a process, a rigorous process of methodology, validation, uh, and then extracting findings and comparing them to the expected findings. Uh, you could call that scientific rigor, you could call it whatever you'd like. Uh, in the conscious world, when we're saying that there's no instruments by which we can measure and we can quantify, uh, the, the question for a seeker really becomes, uh, how do I know that the experience I'm having of consciousness or the conscious experiences I'm having are in fact uh, accurate or they are moving me in a particular direction or they are moving me in a different direction? Um, so I'm just going to leave that there um, in the air uh, until we come back from our bhajan. Um, I'd love to explore this with you both. Uh, but before we do that, um, you know, let's move toward 
uh, a quick bhajan from Sangalpji in India. Uh, he's joining us, I believe, from Bangalore, uh, and he'll be sharing a small bhajan with us after after which we'll come back and continue continue our discussion. Um, and just to remind you all, as you're thinking through all the things we're talking about, um, please do visit slatter.com slash VIGOS, uh, or the WhatsApp number on screen. Uh, we'd love to hear what you, you would like to hear about more and for us to discuss more. So over to you, Sankalpji, and then let's come back and continue our discussion. It's my privilege to present a bhajan in this forum. Today's bhajan is taken from the collection of Kabir Sahab. Here is the bhajan. Jai Sadhgudev. Mitti me milegi mitti Pani me pani Ade abhimani Ade abhimani पानी का बबूला जैसी तेरी जिंदगानी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी भाई और बंधु तेरे काम नहीं आएंगे कुटुंब कबीला सब यही छूट जाएंगे ओ भाई और बंधु तेरे काम नहीं आएंगे कुटुंब कबीला सब यही छूट जाएंगे कहाँ संग चलेंगे तेरे मित्र और साथी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी मिट्टी में मिलेगी मिट्टी पानी में पानी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी रही ना निशानी जग में राजा और वजीरों की एक एक सांस तेरी लाख लाख हीरों की ओ रही ना निशानी जग में राजा और वजीरों की एक एक सांस तेरी लाख लाख हीरों की ढाई गज टुकड़ा डोली होएगी रवानी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी मिट्टी में मिलेगी मिट्टी पानी में पानी 
अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी खाना और पीना केवल नहीं तेरा काम है गुरु का विज्ञान ले ले जहाँ हरि नाम खानार पल केवल नहीं तेरा काम है गुरु का विज्ञान ले ले जहाँ हरि नाम है बीत न जाए तेरी सारी जिंदगानी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी मिट्टी में मिलेगी मिट्टी पानी में पानी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी कर ले कमाई जग में सदगुरु नाम की इसी में भलाई तेरी बात होगी काम की हो कर ले कमाई जग में सदगुरु नाम की इसी में भलाई तेरी बात होगी काम की जन्म को सफल तो कर ले कर मत नदानी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी मिट्टी में मिलेगी मिट्टी पानी में पानी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी पानी का बबूला जैसी तेरी जिंदगानी अरे अभिमानी अरे अभिमानी सतगुरुदेव की जय थैंक यू संकल्प जी हार्टफुल थैंक्स टू यू फॉर यू नो रियली शेयरिंग सच अ सोलफुल भजन विद अस द भजन व्हिच संकल्प जी जस्ट शेयर इज एक्चुअली अ वेरी टॉपिकल वन वन व्हिच रिमाइंड्स अस दैट द इनर्ट विल ऑलवेज रिमेन द इनर्ट मिट्टी में मिलेगी मिट्टी and the conscious is the one which we are striving for which we are seeking uh so thank you once more sankalp ji for this beautiful question so let's uh, we're back uh let's let's continue our discussion from before we left uh so i left a uh, interesting thought hanging in the air there near the end so i'd like to hand over to uh perhaps hayman ji uh, to start and then vaj of course um and the question really was how do we bring rigor into conscious experience um if you know if we're saying and if the experience is that no scientific instrument can guide us in terms of measuring uh you know what is happening 
uh, then what are the, how do we, you know, how do we reason about a domain which is not inert in nature? Uh, that's a very, very interesting question. Uh, Sorved actually has given a pointer to that. Uh, and of course, the even if you don't have a rigor, uh, your your body itself is is a is a lab. It's a tool, and uh, we can harness everything that resides within us to bring it out, and we can experience that. But then it starts with an inquisitive question. Swamiji says, "Karvichar mekonhu, Brahma ko jagadadhar." Upanishad also says, Athato Brahma Jigyasa. We have the desire to understand or know the truth, the Brahm, the bliss we talk about. So what does this Swarvet says? Why don't we even think about it? Are we aware as a conscious entity that who we are in reality, where we came from, what this life is all is about? Are we aware that we are living in a life of a bondage, that, that we have been confined? We are trapped in vicious life, cycles of births and rebirths. Are we aware why this world exists in the first place? Why this human birth? Why is it so special? These questions are posed to us as a conscious entity. We don't really need a scientific rigor. We can actually just have to stop from a continuous, incessant running for pursuit of of essential gratification. We are running after worldly things, which as Vijayji mentioned in the beginning, that it's transient in nature. Things change, but what we see now changes the very next moment. Every two weeks, our blood cells completely transforms us. And every three months, we have a new body. All the cells change and transform. We know that from a scientific point of view. But as far as conscious entity, which does not undergo any change, unfortunately, is the most neglected part. We don't even care. Why? Because we are running for that sensual pleasure, constant pursuit of joy and happiness. There's nothing wrong about it. But we need to think. We need to think. That's what all the saints wants us to. Uh, any scientific experiment starts with thinking. The first thought comes and then comes the hypothesis and then you devise an experiment to check whether the hypothesis is correct or incorrect. Or is there something more? And often the discoveries happen accidentally because that's what's not understood comes in front of us. Agreed that we don't experience, we don't see the conscious, but surely it can be experienced. Why? It's very simple. We have feelings. We have emotions. We react to different emotions the way it comes to us. We react to life every single way. We, we start from work. We start for work. We encounter people uh, on the road, in your office, in your home, in your environment. 
to your friends, family, societies. We have emotions. That doesn't come from an inert object. That comes from a conscious being. So conscious means that it's, it's all about knowledge. But what kind of knowledge? That's where the important thing comes into picture. We are going to talk a little more on it as, as we go a little deeper into the spiritual aspect. But at this moment, I would want to conclude here that, that everything can be understood only, only when we start thinking in the right direction. And that right direction is given by our saints and the spiritual scriptures that gives us pointers. Today in the world of uh, fast age, because it's not related to our livelihood, it's not related to our bread and butter. We don't think and act. But remember that there is something which you all understand, that we live a life as if we don't die. But when we die, we live as if we have never even lived in this earth. So we die, we just perish. Even Einstein said that all those who felt that they will be formidable, they will be invincible for this world are now in the coffins somewhere, perhaps rotting. So, so the life is much more than what meets our eye. Thank you, Abhinavji. Yeah, thank you, Hemanti, for that beautiful explanation. And Vijayji, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on a question we've actually received from one of our listeners. Uh, they ask, can inert always be perishable? And, you know, as you're thinking through that, um, I'd also just like to add one more thing on, which is if you could start giving us some insight into firstly, whether the inert is always perishable and then also in terms of how the inert and conscious interact, uh, just so we can drive this forward. Okay. <laughs> inert, the true nature of inert is it's, it's always perishable. It's the conscious, the conscious entities are the ones which are eternal. Uh, so, if, I mean, if that's, that's a straight answer about if inert is always perishable, including this whole cosmos, which has been created, perishes, and we, and the holy texts talk, talk about it very clearly. Now, talking about how the, what's the interaction between inert and uh, conscious entities? Uh, you know, earlier uh, these uh, sessions we talked about the entity called mind, how it basically plays a role in having and taking the energy uh, or the consciousness of the soul and interacting with the sensory organs uh, through outside world and. Base and what role the mind plays. All elements of inert prakriti basically have transient relationships or relations with the soul. They cannot stay in one form. That this is why, by the gain and loss of them, the soul, which is the conscious entity, experiences temporary happiness and sorrow. The only way one can, while one we are deriving pleasure from the world and its worldly objects, 
there is a need to understand the essence of the two paths which Swamiji clearly talked about, which are Preya and Shreya. There is a need of understanding this too. We should be ready to grasp its essence with a very liberal thought. What is Preyanand and what is Shreyanand? How are both of vital importance to our lives? We need to understand that too. The temporary nature, Preyanand, is a pleasure experienced in nature through our external organs, whereas Shreyanand is the bliss arising out of the union of the conscious soul with the Supreme Soul, which is basically the ultimate goal of yoga. Pleasure enjoyed by the external organs is Preyanand, and the conscious bliss enjoyed by the pure form of the soul is Shreyanand. Of course, one who treads only in the preya limits himself or herself to the material world. And the other who treads only in the Shreya trends, tends to flee away from his responsibilities. Spirituality does not teach you to shirk away from responsibilities, of course. One is slow, solely uh, in pursuit of prayer and the other is always pursuing Shreya. We must understand that the core essence of prayer and Shreya conciliate together. And that's basically how we can ensure uh, how the, the, the inert and the conscious entities interact. Uh, hopefully I address that question, Abhinavji. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, you know, to summarize, like basically the the inert uh, sources of happiness come under, and I, I don't want to mispronounce this, but they come under prayer, or is it Shreya? Let me just double. Yeah. The inert is prayer. Yeah. Yes, the inert and is prayer, uh, and the conscious is Shreya, and the inert we we source from our sensory organs, and the Shreya we source from our conscious uh, soul and our conscious entity within, and it's a great segue into another question which is you know th there is this concept in spirituality which we hear about uh which is you know happiness and bliss uh, and if we look at the modern science and modern world we hear about how there's different chemicals in our body like dopamine and serotonin and all these different things uh, which give us joy uh, or different measures of joy so the question which which crops up is how do we, how does, how, what is the difference between bliss and happiness? Uh, is bliss just another way of maybe maximizing some chemicals in the body uh, or is it experienced differently? Uh, it, how, how do the yogis, how do the yogis explain uh, the difference between bliss and happiness? Perhaps I'll direct this toward you, uh, Hemanji. Oh, oh. 
the yogis actually experience, and as Vijay has already mentioned, that uh, only when the union with the self or the conscious entity gets connected with the super conscious entity, that's when it pervades and engulfs the entire cosmos. It's also in the inert object, it's also pervading that energy in the conscious, our own self. But we are still not yet connected with it. The moment you connect it with it through the technique called yoga, the real meditation, which Sadhguru Sadafal Devin Maharaj has taught to this world since 1924, that that knowledge actually, the experience of that super conscious entity is what is the true bliss, or which, which Vijayaji has mentioned at Sreyanand. That eternal, that bliss is eternal, that's everlasting that never finishes. It has just, it's, it's been there since time immemorial. You just need to experience it. You just need to get connected from a perennial source of river that's not going to dry up compared to those rivers which just are seasonal. And they can be referred to as something which you get from the worldly objects. Or, or Sorbet again beautifully explains it. Seek bund sam jagat sukh, kasha samundar jan. If you go by the definition of Swarve, see, we have this uh, broomstick, right? And if you just take one single thread or stick of that broom, the amount of water drop that is that holds at the end of that stick, all the happiness which you derive from the worldly objects, which we call Prayanan is confined to that small droplet. And that is distributed throughout this world. That is all. And what is that connection when you get connected to the superconscious entity or the Lord Almighty or the God, whatever we say, or the bliss we, we were referring to, the eternal happiness, is that Samundra or is the ocean of bliss. It's infinite. It's, it's so big that you, it's, it's, it's unimaginable that that happiness is, is right in front of us. We just can't see it. We just can't experience it. And that experience comes from spirituality. That is what Sadhguru Dev wants to give us to us. Wants us to get connected to that. And that source is not somewhere outside in the universe which we want to, we should go out and seek, it's within us. But there is a technique, a method to go and get connected to that. And that connection happens through the Vihangam Yoga meditation. The only impediment to this is, as Vijayji mentioned, the mind. The mind creates problems. It does not want us to reach there only when the mind is untamed. But the, main, the moment the mind is made pure, it's tamed. The same mind helps us to reach to that place. And a time comes when even the mind clears the way and the soul reaches that, that source of happiness, which we are referring to as Sri Anand. Over to you, uh, Abhinav Yeah, thank you, Hemanchi. 
And I've got two more quick fire questions I wanted to ask you. And maybe we'll also hand over to Virgie for a quick fire response as we start to wrap up. We've got two more questions coming in from our listeners. So thank you both. Uh, we've got one anonymous listener and one listener named John. So thank you both. Uh, one of the questions is, is a robot conscious? Please explain why. And the second question is, how does it help understanding what is inert and what is conscious in the practice of meditation? So the question is to? So, uh, yeah, first, yeah, let's start with you first, perhaps, Heimanji, and then we'll wrap up with Vijayji. Okay. Uh, robot is not conscious. It's, it's a program. Uh, uh, it's a device that's programmed according to you, would, uh, the way you have devised device it. And generally, the robots are made for a particular purpose. And uh, they're very simple to understand that even if it reacts, even if it's showing emotions to you, that emotions is, again, a set of programs a sets of codes, algorithms that is made to uh, forces different aspect of the face of robots or the hands or the leg movements that a robot does. So it has nothing to do with consciousness. Consciousness is much more, uh, much more uh, deep within us. Uh, we cannot talk about feelings to a robot, although it can react to your to your emotions. But it cannot, even if it comes with its own emotion, that is something which is very sufficient. Our emotions are deep within us. So, so, so the difference between robot and humans is that even if it's a humanoid, humanoid is not humans. That, and the simple reason is that if you just burn a humanoid, it just burns off you. Make another humanoid. It's not for, for the human. The moment you do that, you lose the body and you have to find another body for, for a human to do that. So. So, and, and, and that we all understand that uh, we have we are living in a life form, a biological life form. So that's the answer to the first question. Uh, what was the second question, Abhinoji? Yeah, second question was uh, how does an understanding of what is inert and conscious help us in meditation practice? Uh, actually, I would actually pose this question to a little more deeper meaning is that uh, what defines the consciousness? See, when we talk about heat and cold, we don't talk about cold. We talk about heat. It's just the absence of heat is what's cold. And something like darkness and light, absence of light is what's called darkness. So the light has not yet reached that way, so it appears dark. So I would actually think it from a spiritual aspect as like consciousness means knowledge. What, what knowledge, why knowledge, the jnana, which we say, has been upheld as the most important by all scriptures, all saints and philosophers. I think to progress in spirituality is all about the knowledge about humility, humbleness, to forgive and to be forgiven, to give up your ego, to be adorned with all the virtues of a human, all the attributes of a human, to be tolerant and not be impulsive, to be understood, to understand, to listen, then to speak. That all defines consciousness. Another aspect is, are we aware of the truth, of the objects or entities that we interact on a daily basis? When we say truth, Sarvet defines it 
जो वस्तु जैसा रहे तैसा वाको जान टू अंडरस्टैंड ऑब्जेक्ट एज इज इज द मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट एस्पेक्ट दैट इज वॉट दिस्पिरिचुअलिटी इन शोज इट वॉन्ट्स यू टू ब्रिंग अस टूर्ड्स द ट्रूथ टू नो थिंग्स विदाउट इल्यूजन और कंफ्यूजन विदाउट डाउट with complete clarity the other aspect of consciousness is to learn from mistakes and it starts with accepting your mistake to get up and remain formidable at difficult times that's also a part of spiritual pursuit and the most importantly to set off all your unnecessary baggages of malices corrupt practices impurities that is brought about by the mind another aspect is to simplify yes we all understand that we are a living organisms which are very complex biologically but the building block of life is cell which is very simple to give up all your pride and ego is very very important we all understand humility and humbleness it is respected everywhere in every walk of life it brings us great responsibility and i would wind up by quoting the world surrender surrender submit to the master for he is the protector and swarved war wraps it up like this jo kuch the tum aaj lag sabhi mitao bhar pakke shishya tab hi bano deen adheen sanat so whatever you have been composed of till date give up all of those things only then you can become a true disciple so this applies to a disciple as well only when you surrender only then the spirituality dawns upon you so the consciousness has a very big very large and very comprehensive meaning and wherever there is no consciousness conscious thought about awareness it's i would say as inert so that would be my take on this abhinavji thank you hemanji and i apologize to vijay um in the interest of time i think we'll have to move toward the end of our session today um but i thank you both humbly for joining us this week uh, thank you abhinavji Yeah, thank you. Uh I think we've learned a lot from both of your explanations. So, thank you Hemanti and thank you VAG. So, with that we come toward the end of another week on the Vihangam Yoga Global Mind Satsang. This week's topic was strengthening meditation lesson 2 consciousness and inertness. You know, why why are the things that we talked about today so important? How do they strengthen our urge to meditate? Well, as we discussed today, the concept of inertness and consciousness are both extremely deep. inertness captures the theory the knowledge which we acquire of the world in front of us which we are exposed to by sensory organs and consciousness entails the world and the knowledge we acquire by going within the journey of spirituality if you want to look at it in a in a simple way is a path which traverses inertness and exposes us to the world of consciousness and so by understanding consciousness and what it really is and understanding how it exposes us to the un, the you know the universe of untouched bliss we can start to understand why meditation is so important because it is only through meditation that we can still the waters of the mind and start to trace it back 
to the engine of the body, to the soul, and then start to trace that back to the engine of the cosmos itself. So thank you everyone for joining us this week. Uh, we look forward to sharing another beautiful session with you uh, this coming week. Uh, for now, this is Avanav signing off from Sydney. See you next week.